0: Zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours. Hello and welcome to Zero Hours podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and creatives about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today, I'm joined by comedian, uh, producer, uh, promoter, uh, wealth manager, and Bob-owner! <laughs> <laughs> Sarahles <laughs> i um yeah i you had many many jobs, so I was just trying to remember all of them <laughs> um We are recording this on what I think is the hottest day of um the entire planet's life um I, I i believe in global warming now um how how are you coping it's well it's one of the one of the few days I like my north
1: facing flat so yeah it's um yeah it it doesn't feel too too bad but it's definitely it's definitely warm today it's uh, and I'm by the canal so I I I will get a bit of breeze when I open the balcony doors which I've got shut at the moment to keep the the very noisy wildlife out they make a lot of noise because you get you have got a lot of lot of um waterfowl and so forth on the canal so they're, they're noisy little blighters so I thought they'd disturb the podcast
0: but yeah I mean it is one of the more adorable ways for the podcast to be disturbed <laughs> <laughs> Do you get to feed them it's uh no
1: no I don't have to uh the the people on the boats give them enough food and uh I'm uh, I can see the canal and I can see the, the wildlife and everything but it, I'd have I'd have to have quite a good throw to actually get any food <laughs> from my flat to to the wildlife and I don't I, I as you know I have lots of jobs so I don't have much time to, <laughs> to wander around the canal looking for moments of
0: solace yeah I'm sorry I said I also I I said I believe in global warming now I always believed in global warming I I just (laughs) it's it's horrible when you can see the effects of it quite so clearly isn't it (laughs) um so I feel like we should get into uh what the people paid for uh no one's paid for anything Uh, (laughs) um what's what's your worst job ever been well Obviously,
1: I've given that I was, I agreed to come on the podcast and I did know this was happening. I've given it some thought. Good, and good. I think, truthfully, data input when I was at university for um, p and So obviously any job for p is disgusting and horrible and we hate it. The
0: cruise but that, company? That,
1: hmm? Is it the cruise company? So is it? Well, is it, I was the ferry company oh, okay. um, and they sat all their workers a a couple of months ago they sacked 800 British workers so so we really hate piano anyway Mm, yeah Um, and they they uh, so it was at the very kind of early days of computers so you used to have paper tickets and my job was to take the information from the paper ticket put it into um, a computer and then do the next one you had great big boxes beside you and you just did that all day long and um it was a a, a disparate office full of temps because no one could stand it the job drove you mad um so it was it was a bit of a culture shock for me um to work in an office like that and um it was it was difficult it was difficult yeah
0: that so, sounds so boring
1: it, it was very very boring it was very very boring and it was a very bitchy office and I could I so if anyone got up and, and went to the loo there were a couple of ringleaders who would then completely slag them off so it so you you didn't leave your computer <laughs> just sat there all day without without moving and at the end of the shift I got up to go and literally I would stared at my computer for nine nine hours or something and I just stood up and just fell over backwards (laughs) (laughs) they all thought I they all thought I was a middle-class twat anyway (laughs) and then yeah I just behaved like a maniac so that was I did did did
0: three weeks oh gosh (laughs) your body had given up like no, not doing Yes. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. So, did anyone ever slag them up or... Well, they, they, you know, they never, they never left
1: the room either. So they, okay. they knew that they had to, <laughs> they had to stay there and watch over their, mm. um, their prey. As, as, uh, but they, they, <laughs> it was. um I wish, I wish I had a little, you know, a, a little bit more experience when I'd done the job because I would. I think I could have integrated a little bit better. Mm. had had I had a bit more experience but uh is that uh, oh.
0: experience generally in a work like were you quite young oh yeah it? yeah
1: I was I was um 17 or 18 oh, okay so, um and you know it's uh I guess I guess that was when I realized I'd had quite a privileged upbringing <laughs> but you, do, you don't you you don't really know until you um and that's that that I mean that makes me sound even worse, I think, hopefully than I am. But it was yeah, it was just it was just
0: horrible. Yeah, and, uh, that makes sound bad at all. <laughs> it's just that you, you as a kid you don't know until you know, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what the world's like, whether that's better <laughs> or worse than you thought. <laughs> so that was your first ever office job. That
1: was my first office and yeah.
0: Did, how long did that put you off office work for <laughs> um quite well I guess um I then did
1: um so I then mainly did so, so through uni I did teaching English as a foreign language which I absolutely loved. probably one of my favorite jobs ever because it wasn't like a job at all it was mm. like just being messing around and I did some catering work and I did some te- um sort of nursery teaching as well so I did that for a few years after that before I went into my first grown-up job as a wealth manager.
0: Yeah I could see you being a good teacher I think you've got the the sort of niceness about you and the patience. Yes well I think I probably should have been a teacher that was that was always
1: the plan Um, but um, I I, I got married quite young as well and my Um, beloved ex-husband was at university we were both at university together and we and we had children it's it's quite a long story but uh, um, one of us basically needed to be earning a living so I left uni to earn a living he was supposed to finish his degree and then I was going to go back and finish my my teaching qualifications and he stayed at university for another eight years without ever getting into the second or getting past the second year um so he wasn't really at university but you know i didn't know that at the time he was he was enrolled but he didn't turn up he had other ho- hobbies oh, so i see so i i ended up wealth managing for tw- 10 years with you know and then it didn't really seem worth going back into teaching at that point
0: well yeah that's fair so how did not, so what he was enrolled at university for 8 years yes which yeah. is like a phd level yeah <laughs> amount of time and what just so saw... he took
1: courses three times so he did he did two first years and one second year of a master degree. He did um the same he did a year of accountancy and he did um the same kind of thing I think he did t- two first years and two second years of radiography and wow. never never completed
0: <laughs> and I imagine no this wasn't at the time that it was 9000 pounds a year
1: um
0: no i we
1: I, I think we we did we did have to pay for some of it so it was it was after the time of the maintenance grant but it was before the time of fees i think so you didn't get um so my my sister who's a couple of years older than me she got money to pay for her rent and everything it wasn't a fortune but she basically got her living expenses and all her tuition paid for and they they you know I could see that just just over the horizon it was just no not for you not for you
0: (laughs) it's awful that is it. when all of my friends went to uni it was only three thousand pounds a year and then when I went it was nine thousand.
1: Yeah, I think the three thousand
0: came in before he left. Yeah. Cause before that was like one thousand, wasn't it? Or yeah. something insane. Like you could yeah. easy pair that up.
1: Yeah. Oh well that the yeah, so and that was the difference with radiography. They did actually give you a birth through for radiography.
0: Oh yeah, because we need those people. Yeah.
1: And the nurses used to get birtheres as well which I don't, don't think they do anymore but
0: no it's criminal it shouldn't be allowed so uh you and en- what what did you do at uni so I did maths and computing oh my god <laughs> it's the easy ones <laughs> was it because of uh using the the data entry was just so stimulating <laughs> that you're like this is <laughs> the degree for me. I, I had to look at this.
1: I had to look into it more um i think i think one of the reasons i got the data input was because i i was doing um computing uh studies and it's like this isn't computing this is <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god so what made you want to do that degree
1: um i was really good at maths i was uh, i i find it, i find it I, it's 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 quite nostalgic and it's a bit it's a bit sad looking back but i i was fairly intuitive and um with maths and some of the logic i I mean computing had its ups and downs for me there were some bits i could do really really well and the other bits um learning new computing languages i struggled a little bit with um which kind of put me off a bit but actually when you look at when i look at the circle i was working in i was i was doing well if I'd carried on I could have been I could have been very helpful in uh, in an area that probably not enough of us know enough about but uh, it's was it full of nerds there were quite a few nerds I see myself as a nerd whisperer uh-huh. so I, cu- I could I could <laughs> <laughs> I could uh understand most of what they were doing and I was on the level with them for at least 90 percent of the time in my opinion maybe it was maybe it was less but I could also talk to other people as well so I saw myself as a as a conduit between (laughs) (laughs) the absolute brain boxes who had no fashion sense music sense or um you know any any social skills at all so if I if I kept my my um position I could have been ruling the world by now
0: I, I was once again too young I didn't I didn't know what (laughs) oh god (laughs) you are the nerd refs (laughs) yeah that's it isn't it do you so I think the was it did you go into it being like you had a goal was there or do you do you sort of feel like you've had a goal that you've gone for throughout your sort of employment uh yes yes and
1: and no I do I do have um I do I do put I I am kind of reasonably driven and I do have goals in place. But I, I grew I grew up in in the pub I now own and it was a jazz pub and I don't know if that's why, but it's always been a bit more about enjoying the moment and for want of a better term, enjoying the journey. So although I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll do this and this plan, you know, I I basically just get involved in the experience i'm in and generally have quite a good laugh along the way and then that kind of detracts from um so, so i mean i do love i do love wealth management and i love my clients i really love me- making my clients lives more secure and being with them at, at really tricky times and i ha- hopefully none of my bosses will be listening to this i'm i'm i couldn't i'm not money hungry it's not like the only thing that matters is that i have the biggest funds under management and the most money coming in and really that's what you're supposed to be to to (laughs) to be to be a leading light in the industry and that so i have to um i have to try and cover that up i have to try and (laughs) role play being yeah yeah it's all about money in the money and it's just like no this is a good job and these are lovely people and (laughs) and this isn't very capitalist but enough is enough you know enough money is enough money enough
0: clients is enough clients um you can only do so much with it can't you yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) What what is wealth management? Because it sounds simple, but I imagine it's much more complex than what I'm. The um,
1: well, the number of laws that you have to be aware of is is the complicated <clears> part. Um, so every year, this is so exciting. This is so exciting on a comedian's podcast. <laughs> every year they bring out a new finance act, and the you they don't kind of build the laws. Okay, so this is this law, and now we're going to adjust it so this will work perfectly. So that's where it gets complicated. That I have to know all the laws and I have to get them right Mm -hmm. um but basically it's about helping people um build up their wealth. so so I deal with their pensions and their investments um I don't help people avoid paying tax but I help (laughs) them um pay the right amount of tax and if there are legal ways to structure their finances such that they they don't pay unnecessary tax then that's that's a big part of what I do. Um, and it's, I've done it, I've done this now for, for 30 years. She um, yeah. said, which, you know, obviously I started when I was two. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very clever. Baby. Um, so, yeah, my client bank's changed quite a lot because there's more regulation. We have to do a lot more work with each client we see. So effectively, that means I can't advise poor people anymore, which is... Oh which is a real shame and that's one of the reasons I do podcasts is so that hopefully you can get a few tips and pointers out there and then then uh, people people you you can make quite a lot of difference by just looking you know budgeting your mind I'm I'm all for budgeting and and maximizing your savings Where you it gives you more choices in the end when life gets grim however you know I think we both we both live in London it's very hard to have savings when you're when you're (laughs)
0: paying money to live in London (laughs) it is isn't it I think it's difficult because I mean I don't know if you if you have a tenner left at the end of the month, you know I could put this away, or I could have Netflix. <laughs> you <laughs> Probably live in the moment and have Netflix, right? That that's
1: uh, as I said, yeah. Um, the, the the cost of rent and housing, any type of housing arrangement in London, I uh, well in the, in the UK, I think is shocking. I mean, it's we need to deal with it because it's it's not good for anyone.
0: No, I hope the um the property bubble. But and then i can buy a bed set for a tenant
1: well there's an 18 year property cycle which means there should be but this is what people far more skilled in this area than i am say um actually i probably can't say that because i'd need to qualify but there there are there are (laughs) property cycles and some experts say there's going to be a crash in 2026 but with COVID and Brexit and the Ukraine war, that may even come forward. Oh, perfect. So, <laughs> there's hope.
0: Yeah. You heard it here first. Um, but, <laughs> but I am not, I'm not an expert in real estate. So, when all of our listeners get into massive amounts of debt, it like, was that Sarah's ball. <laughs> No, don't worry there, there are so many reasons to get sued before this episode I think so um it's just fine um so what how did you get into into wealth management because I wouldn't even know like where would you begin well that? this is this this goes back once again to those those happy housing days and I was a
1: a respectable married woman um <laughs> I I, you know I also I I think I'm quite intelligent yeah however any story I tell you about my marriage will prove to you that I'm not so my husband was offered a job Mm -hmm. as um, a financial advisor with, with Laurentian Life which was a Canadian company and he went to the interview and he came back home and said well this is the job it's all about figures and analysis and people and blah 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 you'd be perfect for it and you'd love it Mm -hmm. so I then trotted and so the agreement we had at the time um I think I was I think I was four or five months pregnant with my third child um our our child and um one of us needed to be earning money because they they changed so back in back in the day I think we were both students but we got some benefits on top and then if no one was working you weren't gonna you weren't gonna be getting any benefits so one of us needed to work yeah and we we agreed whoever because we were we were woke whoever the first one to get the job was, was going to be the one to do it. So I went and I got the job. And it was, as I say, it was supposed to be a year while he finished university. And then I was supposed to go back and finish my teaching degree. And I was just there for year after, year after. (laughs) Um, There's lots about the job I do like. Um, It is exactly about analysis and figures and dealing with people and all that's great um but it is a really high pressure job and it's long hours I've never Mm -hmm. been able to do the job in less than 50 hours a week and quite often you're working 70 to 90 hours a week um Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have chosen to do that with a family I mean it seems a bit pointless Mm -hmm. having children and then being out of the house all the time
0: yeah
1: however there were there were other reasons I, I I didn't I I wasn't sure we were going to be talking about this but there were other reasons why my husband liked me being out of the house in the evening it gave him freedom to explore his hobbies without me knowing
0: yeah <laughs> so, I mean if it's a story you want to tell then I I, yeah
1: I've, I've t- I've t- I've t- I don't mind I hadn't intended to tell it but yeah no um, my, my husband was unbeknownst to me um gay and he was every night cottaging. So um that was so it suited him to have me working and I just didn't know for ten years. I had no idea that's what was going on under under my nose. But that's why um that's how I got
0: into wealth management.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I mean like why would you know that? Like how why would you think that that was a thing?
1: Yeah. We um yeah, and we we to all intents and purposes, we were a, a committed Catholic family. So I was in london all day i'd leave the house at six i'd go and do my job i'd, I'd come back hopefully by 10 at mm. night um maybe a little later and then saturday i'd spend the day with the children and, and i'd do the cooking for the week and then sunday we'd be at church um for most of the day and then a traditional family sunday lunch and yeah i had no idea we had we had no pair as well so the children weren't on their own the the entire time yeah <laughs> But yes, our our au pairs worked harder than than uh, they were supposed to.
0: Yeah, oh, that's wild. I'm sorry. That's uh, that sounds like <laughs> a really really horrible thing to happen.
1: Is uh, it was it was interesting. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it by choice. But you know, I love my children. I love my life. So
0: yeah, don't love him so much anymore. That's fair to say. No, I can see that because I think yeah, it's it's less the uh the being uh gay and more yeah. than lying about it for 10 years is
1: it and he's 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 not spoken to the children for 15 17 years something like that
0: so okay so that's a personality trait that's shitty. yes yeah it's um yeah god so then yeah that was your way into wealth <laughs> that was it yeah so I, I was manipulated into it
1: um so I also I because at the time I, I'd hoped to finish my degree my master's degree I, I was really committed to it so I also got a job as an officer in the RAF oh wow <laughs> as as a, an education officer and it's really tough the entry process is really tough they put you through all these aptitude tests and um you have to go through all the security with with the home office and everything i had to sign a waiver to say i wouldn't demand to come home to be with the children if war broke out and yeah. all this and uh, and i i was still pregnant with lucy at the time so i mean thank the lord i didn't have to run the five miles or whatever but i had to do the assault course and run however yeah. far you had to run as not as soon as i'd had the baby but <laughs>
0: that'd be insane would it? it's a girl right get <laughs> yeah, out on I'll that be, course yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, but but i got i got accepted kind of on the provider
1: that i did and i went home and i i'm like and pete had done all the security checks too and i'm like i've been accepted and, and they would have the beginning of my job would have been finishing my degree that and they'd have paid me a full salary for doing this so it was you know i was very excited and he just said um I didn't think for a minute they'd accept you. I'm not moving around the world every three years. We're not doing it. And I was a traditional wifey at the time, so I just went,
0: "Oh, okay." Oh no! So you but, didn't end up doing it. So I didn't end up doing it, but that oh. would have so. What, so, uh, so what? What were you? You said it was education. What? What would you have been educating in? So, well, I'm sure.
1: It, I'm, no job. No jo- well, I don't think any job is a complete breeze. But basically, my role would have been as far as I understood it, was to be at an RAF base. I'd know what everyone who was there, I'd know what qualifications they had. And in the main, I'd just be linking them up with the right places to get the next level. You know, if they wanted to be, um, I don't know, air traffic control and they needed... A qualification, and that I'd know which was the nearest college that provided that, and link them up.
0: I mean, it sounded like an absolute doddle. That sounds great, and also like not the kind of job where you would then be flying a plane. Like you're going to be a gunner, yeah, are Yeah, no. I mean, that was the, the the way
1: I saw it was if I needed to pick up a, a gun and shoot someone, we were in a real mess. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and you know, although I don't advocate violence or arms it would probably be uh, you know if they if they had to put a math teacher in in charge of you know a war zone i probably wanted to have a gun rather than not have a gun at that point
0: yeah yeah they have they've have breached the defenses <laughs> and they're probably in your house yes <laughs> i mean uh, it, it, it
1: may it may it may be it may have been trickier i mean i'm sure it would have every job's trickier than you you, you imagine at 17 and 18 um, that, but uh yeah, I, I do. Uh, it, it, was, it was frustrating that I'd wasted so much time and energy um, and it was something where we could have been a lot more secure. I should have. Um, but, you know, life, life is a tapestry.
0: It is. And I think as well, there's a lot of um, when you're when you're sort of younger, you don't you maybe don't know what how how to behave in relationships and say, actually, no.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do this. I, I mean, I'm fairly forthright. I, um, but, you know, I grew up within a very strong Catholic family and the church is very important. And it was a complete patriarchy. And, you, you, you know, you were you did what the priest told you and the priest told you to do what your husband told you. Even, you know, looking back, it, you know, it made so little sense to do to keep doing what Pete said. Yeah. but that's you know that's that's
0: what you did then or what I did then <laughs> are you still practicing I am
1: I still have faith mm-hmm. but I, I I haven't so since lockdown I haven't start. I haven't become a member of another church again so I've, I've done I, I've done um I've done a few different things in in the in the um Chris is been mainly a Christian journey, so I was a Catholic for 40 years. And then I started attending an apostolic church and then um a United Reform Church where I actually became part of their religious community. So a bit like a nun yeah. um, for a few years. So that that and that was that, that
0: was a disaster too. So um How does so, one become a nun? <laughs> <laughs> well so I, I just I just took vows and joined this community.
1: Um, where you know and I lived in in the church and ran the homeless shelter and some prayer groups I still worked in the city but in my free time I was supposed to be very holy and uh, so forth and not not snog ex-priests really but
0: (laughs) you know we all make mistakes. That sounds so exciting. (laughs) Did you have to wear the habit? I didn't. (laughs) No uh, because that would be an amazing thing to just one day turn up at work (laughs) Yeah, in habit. when I was. I. I mean, I. I love the whole. Um, you know, the idea of
1: nuns and habits and things, and and I didn't have to wear a habit at all, but I nearly did just for you know,
0: just for the fun of it. When in Rome, yeah, wear just, the costume. To see if I got upgrades on planes and things. <laughs> Almost certainly, though, because we had nuns that used to come in the cafe that I worked in, and the respect that you get comparatively is the same. And it turned out that like someone had had one of them as a teacher and she's like, she is such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have, I have a theory about this is um, you either, you either go into it. I mean, I'm sure most people go into it sort of loving Jesus and really believing in the whole Holy spirit and, and all this. And so you either carry on along those lines, become the most amazing person anyone's ever met mm-hmm. You start to get cynical, and you then, because you're then saying all these words that you don't mean every day, mm-hmm. and you're living this life with lots of restrictions for no good reason. You then become the hardest, nastiest <laughs> person. And I don't, I don't think that, I don't think there's much of an in between. You're yeah. either wonderful or you're truly evil. Um, yeah, that's my that's my uh, half baked theory on on religious <laughs> communities.
0: I can see that though because so like how did your experiences sort of change the the nature of your faith then so
1: um so, so they're quite they're quite different types of organization. Um, as I say, although obviously they're they're all they're all Christian, I'm a lot more I I'm more kind of open to just spiritual influences now than than I was then. And the, I mean, the Catholic Church is obviously um, very very big; it stretches across the world, and it you know it's it's got so much power, and it's so the, I mean there's so much damage and corruption cause. I think that the underlying message forgiving I think you know we could really all do with embracing forgiveness in a way we don't at the moment I think that's a really strong message of Christianity Um, the Holy Spirit in my understanding is a power that enables you to do greater good than you think you can do I think that's Um, I think that's really good. And then the organization is corrupt and uses it just to wield power over people and it drives me around the bend. And I've been in bigger churches and smaller churches, but there there seems to be some corruption of 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 the basic message um in in most organ in every organization I've been in, there have been men at the top manipulating the power to their to their own um ends and and I just find that really difficult um but I also I mean things like the homeless shelter we we were a very united group of people doing that because because we we felt we had the same beliefs and and the, it was easy to bond with the with the other people running it yeah. I'm not saying you can't I'm not saying you have to be a person of faith to do anything worthwhile mm-hmm. But so, so I'm torn. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, well, no one needs organized religion. I think you do need, I think unity is really important. And mm-hmm. I, and I can see how religion helps get that unity, but I'm hoping there's going to be a different way where, where, I mean, you know, I mean, three, three, three different churches isn't, isn't the biggest sample ever, but it's just, <laughs> I, I can, yeah, I can see how the power of, of, being in in those positions leads to being corrupt
0: yeah i think um that's the i so i studied politics when i was at college and as the more i learned i was like everything is a is good every ideology like okay yeah that makes sense and then people get involved and ruin it and yeah. i think that's the same thing as soon as there's any kind of organization that becomes a hierarchy and some kind of power and then you get somebody usually a man who comes in <laughs> and just uses it for their own means and ruins it right yeah yeah yeah. no
1: that no i mean yeah exactly that so the religions and political
0: it's yeah. Everything is similarly, yeah. yeah. It's a shame as well, isn't it? Because yeah, it's um, you know, I, I mean, you couldn't organise a homeless shelter alone, really, could you? <laughs> so you need, <laughs> you need people to, to be together. Yeah, and I I imagine it sort of um is a a common thing. So you get all different kinds of people who would never meet sort of coming together because of that one. Yeah, yeah. Thing.
1: No, that I mean, that's that that's one that. One of the things I love about church at its best, um, you know, you, you are obliged to go out and and help the community you're in, um, it, in a way that you wouldn't be if it, you know, I mean, so I, I, as I grew up in the pub, so that's that's kind of to do with outreach as well, but you know, with a certain demographic, you don't you don't really want too many five year old kids in 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 your pub, um, but it's yeah, it's um, it should be a real force for good, And then, as you say, if uh, if the wrong people get in charge, it, it you know, and the damage can be annoying to horrendous, you know, as, as we, we, we all know enough stories.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Church is sort of a, a you know, religion that's gone wrong. Um, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> so just to go back to the pub as well, were you, it has. so you said you grew up in the pub. Has yeah. it sort of always been in your family? How, what happened there?
1: Yeah so my um, my dad and my mother and father took the pub on mm-hmm. um, within, within a, a few months of them getting married um, my dad grew up next door to the pub and it became vacant and they, they took it on. My mum was quite young my um, I think she's 20 maybe 24 and she she's she was kind of Everything I've never been. She was kind of head girl and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and she went from being um, a maths teacher to being a pub landlady at 24. Wow. My father was a jazz musician. So he, he'd he been touring before he got married. And he said that touring was no life for a married man. I didn't quite understand what he meant at the time. but I think I get it now. <laughs> so they took on the pub in 1962 so it's been in the family now for 60 years. Um, and my dad was reasonably well-known within the jazz community. Um, so he played there every, every Sunday. But it's also on, it used to be on the main road to the docks when most people travelled to Europe. Most musicians travelled by boat. Um, so they'd, they'd all stop off on their way to the docks and they'd come in and do a jam session. So you'd get Monty Sunshine, Chris Barber, Kenny Ball, Literally just popping in, and um, Nick Heaton, who's the drummer with the Clash, he's played with my dad's jazz band. So um, before he joined the Clash, he he yeah. kind of played jazz as well. So we've we've had the Clash and the Ruts, and people are like just you know you just pop downstairs and maybe either be having a jam session or just popping in for a drink on their way. So it was it was really really exciting, and and my mum and dad built it built it up into something quite legendary. And then um, really, really annoyingly, my mum my died three my dad died over 20 years ago. And then my mum died three years ago. So now my sister and I have the pub between us. But it's been it's been kind of COVID and lockdown and then we've had the problems in Dover with none of the traffic moving. That's that's caused problems. Um, so although three years have passed, we're just getting to to the which is why I said I didn't I didn't want to be accused of managing it (laughs) because we haven't we haven't been able to put any management plans in because it's been we've gone from lockdown to the town being gridlocked to to now so we are literally now just putting in the plan for, for for the future um but yeah it was it, it it was it was really good fun growing up there and it's nice and oh yeah and that's one of the things I do with the comedy um dad made it great by kind of getting all all the the jazz legends to come and play and, and try as I might I'm never going to be a singer or a musician so that's why I'm now doing comedy and I'm getting some of the best comedians in one as you know Catherine to come mm-hmm. down to the pub and uh, and, and do gigs and it, it's going really well people people are loving it the comedians seem to love it because they're all coming back for, for second third gigs um yeah and and people in Dover are, are loving it so that's
0: sounds great so that yeah that was also going to be my question like w- at what point did the comedy come into your life so that's that's sort of the backstory of <laughs> <laughs> being involved in performance which sounds fucking amazing what a great way to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like at what point did you sort of get involved in comedy and then like what made you start performing it? What what was it? The... So, I mean, I've
1: always liked comedy and I, I used to go to comedy clubs, not all the time, but a couple of times a year or something. Um, and I liked watching, you know, I mean, so Blackadder and um, the Young Ones were just, you know, I, I thought the Young Ones was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, so it was like that but um, it was a bit hectic when when my mum died Um, so I was working for for a wealth management company who were quite I mean most wealth management companies are quite demanding but this one was quite demanding my mum had died and my sister had a stroke the following day
0: oh my god so I
1: had to try and look after my sister try and run the pub try and organise my mum's funeral and do my job and it was it was just really tricky and I I was going a bit out of my mind but I didn't want to get hold of my friends and just like say to them oh it's awful it's awful I can't bear it and I didn't particularly want to sit on my own and go through everything so I then started going to a comedy club every night on the way home from work because it was just the perfect there was something to think about it wasn't anything Serious or anything about any of the problems I couldn't sort out yeah. um and and you know so that was that was in just over three and a half years ago but it was but that's when read and that's when I thought oh I could maybe give this a go but i used to I used to go um pop into Camden Comedy Club or the Bill Murray um or top secret every night on the way home and do want do one or two of the shows and it was just that perfect um kind of break from worrying about work a break and then worrying about the pub um mm-hmm. and yeah that's when that's when I got very and I got to know more people in the industry and and so forth yeah
0: and now you you run the gig uh and now I, run, yeah, now I yeah <laughs> now at Camden Comedy Club
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's amazing so um yeah how, how did you sort of get into into running that I,
1: I don't know for sure. I have a horrible (laughs) feeling. I just turned up too much, and Nathan just wanted me at the back and to keep my mouth shut. Right. So I think I think it. (laughs) I suspect that's why I got moved from being a customer to why don't you just run the gig and then, uh, or maybe maybe he just knew we'd work well together.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's it. that's um a quick plug that's Friday nights at Camden Comedy Club Uh, (laughs) um so that show every every week it is it's early yes yeah it's a great show um no it's I mean it is it
1: is I I mean I really enjoy it and we we seem we seem to have a lovely atmosphere in the room um
0: yeah, it is, and also, um, I, and I don't think Nathan, who also uh, runs the gig, will mind me saying that uh, we did it the other week without you present, and uh, we we need you there. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it, the whole time he was like, "I wish Sarah was here," <laughs> and we were like, "We wish she was here too." <laughs>
1: oh good that's that's always my fear is that you know I'll I'll not be there one week
0: and it'll be just make no difference at all (laughs) no no you very much hold it all together I remember working on the door of a comedy night once and I was put in charge of it because I think it must have been like Edinburgh or something and um the guy who usually runs it called me up afterwards and I was like how did it go and I was like somebody died and he was like <laughs> I was like no no someone got stabbed to death outside of the club <laughs> it, was, it was horrible please come back that is and, um, awful. yeah yeah it was pretty it, it was a lot but we continued the comedy night and uh and he was like yeah I'm not leaving you in charge again <laughs> um <laughs> which I thought was unfair because I didn't kill anybody I, I was gonna say I, I
1: I doubt you had any influence over the actual
0: <laughs> the ending
1: of the life <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it wasn't a comedy club but one New Year's Eve I I d- I kind of got tired of all all the shenanigans on New Year's Eve and I and this was the the year before I joined the religious order and um I just went to church on New Year's Eve. We went to, to this prayer meeting. I went home. Um, I think it was my, might have been my first year in London. And I just went back to my flat. There were, there were several parties on I could have gone to. I'm like, no, I just wanted it quiet and peaceful. And a little lad got shot on my doorstep. It was his, yeah, it was his birthday. He was a twin. It's his 21st birthday. And, that yeah, yeah, so so that I didn't have I didn't have the quiet the quiet night I was thinking. But it is there's something really awful about being in the proximity to yeah. to someone who who, who who's uh, murdered, isn't it? It's it's not it's not great.
0: It's not, and it happens more than you think. So and my friend were saying this, like because I the one that we uh, the one that I saw was not not even in a paper, and you think that it's insane that it happens so often yeah in, in London that it doesn't even make the news it's just another one yeah um yeah that being said I was still very safe in London
1: yes yes no that's um uh, I had I had friends over from America from LA and they came to to Camden Comedy Club on a Friday which is when I run the Rat Pack and <laughs> um and they googled whether it was safe to walk in Canada, and I'm like well yeah you know most I mean I'm not saying it's okay or he deserved but there was the guy involved in the shooting I mean it was was mistaken identity I think but it was it was gang wars it you know it was gang related um but so I think in the I think we are quite safe in general yeah,
0: unlike, you know, I think, uh, no more unsafe than anywhere else, really. I think if you, uh, there's a higher proportion of people in London than there are anywhere else. Yeah. And as such, uh, the, you know, you're going to get more people who are, uh, a bit murdery. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what was your first comedy gig? How So how long have you been involved in comedy before you started doing comedy, like performing comedy? And then what was your first gig? So I was,
1: I mean, to be, I've been involved in comedy, I guess. So look, I mean, it was just before lockdown that mm-hmm. I got seriously involved yeah. with comedy. And then I had my first gig and it was, it felt like the whole universe got together. no. No, oh, Sarah. no. <laughs> so it was your fault <laughs> yes um so that was um i did i did a course so i went up to edinburgh um i mean i i try and go up to edinburgh most years i, I, I i've been going up off and on since the 80s um so the festival largest so the festival like, yeah
0: in february <laughs> <laughs> it's the second biggest financial century in
1: the country see I went up to see Standard Life Bank no um in in August went up to the festival and I came back so that must have been 2019 I came back I mean my mother would have killed me if if she'd know or if she'd been alive and could have said anything about me doing stand-up she would have gone ballistic because she was as I say, she, she's, she was kind of head girl, very proper life, life kind of worked out the way you want life to work out for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never experienced that life has always been chaotic and I've never quite understood how I've ended up where I am, but I do my best. I work really hard to make a situation work. Um, And so she just died. I went up to the festival and as I came back, I thought you could give this a go. So I always wondered if um if I had to leave wealth management, I'm like, what can I do? If I, you know, if I if I if I leave this for, as a job, what transferable skills have I I've got? And I do often make my clients laugh, so I did think the only thing I could do was comedy. And it's like you've no idea if you could do comedy or not. Why? Do, <laughs> why do you think you can do comedy? And so I came back from. 2019 festival and signed up with Francis Foster to do a course at the Bill Murray yeah and I did that and it so that was my first gig was the Bill Murray with friends and family so and we were I think we were quite unique course no one dropped out I think we were 16 and he he said normally one or two people drop out no one did right and I think we were a very strong group there were some people there who um I thought showed I thought they were really funny and as funny as some of the comedians on on the circuit. So we had quite a good first show. And then we all repeated that again at at the pub. So we got to do two showcases, which is, I think, quite unusual.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So that would, that would have been December, 2019.
0: And then I did. (laughs)
1: Little did we know. Little did we know, but I gigged quite a lot. I got, I got kind of, Usually two or three gigs, occasionally for a week from then oh. until
0: March, and then no more gigs. And then and then happened? I said sp- <laughs> hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that what was there an incident or something? <laughs> <laughs> for
1: me there was a there was a there was a double incident because obviously there was corona, but I also I also got diagnosed and treated for cancer. Oh my so
0: God.
1: so I, I so I did the beginning of the comedy and then i had a year of feeling absolutely awful um yeah. and being very isolated and not 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 finding a lot to laugh about oh, um wow. and then um i started again um i did, I, I i i i quite
0: like a course quite
1: like a course quite, like mm-hmm. quite like the discipline of a a six week program where you have to write something you mm-hmm. have you have to perform it you, you know the next week so you are going to work on it so i did the course with jeff innocent at up the Pre. yeah oh,
0: um, brilliant isn't you jeff yeah
1: no and it was once again a brilliant group of people who um i still still in touch with um and then so i, I was then gigging um after that um more open spots than ringers this time mm-hmm. which was which is nice
0: that's a nice step yeah <laughs> So if people um, don't know bringers the way you actually have to bring the audience in order to be allowed to be to perform, which tends to happen in cities, but less so outside of big cities. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I know there's a debate about bringing
1: gigs. But I, you know, I I think when you're a new comedian like me, you you, you need some kind of coerced um,
0: audience. <laughs> yeah because you're shit aren't you like no yeah. not you particularly yeah, yeah. No, but like, no, you know and, uh, people
1: have a real go about pay for play I've never done a pay to play but it's just like well yeah you know you should pay someone to listen to that <laughs> yeah. and I'm talking for any new comedian myself and and others it's but then yeah as you progress and you can can get open spots and things that is that that feels nicer in lots yeah. of ways
0: I guess it's like uh, turning up to, say, your your jazz bar and watching uh, a lady learn the guitar. You're <laughs> like, this is rubbish. Yeah. I'm not watching this. <laughs> she can't play that trumpet at all. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? No. Yeah, and, and why aren't I watching Louis Armstrong for a fiver? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sad that it's one of the sort of art forms, if you will, that you have to learn in front of people.
1: Yes, no, that's that. I, yeah, hadn't hadn't really thought of that. But yeah, you, you, you can't really do a lot unless you are um, dying in front of people or or riding
0: that wave. Yeah, it's very humbling, isn't it? <laughs> but as well, it's it's interesting what you say about um, courses because the strange thing that I've found is that comedians very much seem to have the uh, opinion that you, oh, you can't teach comedy. You're either funny or you're not. But I think there's so much value in a course because it's just a nice little safe place where you can be like, I'm, I'm not, like, you're not, you are learning in front of people, but in front of people who are also learning. Yeah, You're not not gonna have someone be like, you're a cunt. Oh, (laughs) I'm (laughs) trying. Just just fairly (laughs) blunt. I can see that. I didn't fool anyone that. But... I did do Mike Gunn's course, uh, it was just like a day course, and I found it really valuable because he would be like, That shit, don't do that anymore. And you're like, Good, thank you for letting me know, but it broke other people. They were like, <laughs> I really respect his opinion, that he's had my job and shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, That's because it is, stop <laughs> doing it. <laughs> But like, yeah, actors do courses all the time because yeah. it's you're always learning. Whereas I yeah. think comedians can be like, oh, you know it or you don't. But that, that I mean, that that's that's the thing.
1: I I've done better than I expected to do with the comedian, mm-hmm. and I I did I did open for Patrick Monahan <gasps> at the Camden. That's the highlight of my career, and yeah. he he knows. I I, I, was, I mean, he was doing his preview, and he just said I I could open, but I love I love doing that. Um, yeah. But the, the thing is, I've got so many things on unless you know when you do the course and you paid money to do the course and you you're you're going to be judged by mm-hmm. whoever's running the course and you know your peers you you actually put the time to to forming an idea so when i'm just working on my own i end up with 10 or 15 ideas and i i'm not sure which one to pursue whereas on a course you naturally end up pursuing one to mm-hmm. the end and and that so it, it's it's the combination of Having time carved out and a bit of feedback, I mean, you could do it. I know other comedians do it via kind of writers' groups and things like that, um, yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah, find what works but yeah. <laughs> well, I think that we're at, at our time now uh, this has been lovely. Um, what have you got to plug? What have I got to plug?
1: well yeah. the uh, so we need um, we need more comedians for our gigs uh, at the Louis in Dover um so they're, they're every other tuesday we do a mixed bill but we're also running previews for people um who want to try out their edinburgh show on a wonderful dover audience and outside london audience um mm. of comedy devotees and um yeah the rat pack uh, camden head camden um that's always funny when people turn up at the, at the wrong camden head
0: yeah um,
1: to be fair the, it is bad having two pubs, two iconic comedy clubs, comedy clubs. uh-huh Ooh the Camden head um within three tube stops of one another (laughs) yes yes so not quite too close for comfort but not close enough that you can run from one to the other if you have turned up at the wrong one just before the show starts
0: Mm -hmm. you're Um, locked
1: into seeing a show that you were not going to see (laughs) you're not going to see but it's also performers. we did have we had an elf turn up one Christmas and
0: I was like I didn't book an elf (laughs) the show i think i'd remember it. <laughs> and i'm like did nathan why did
1: nathan book an elf without telling me <laughs> i was like he doesn't normally do that i was quite annoyed and then nathan arrived this poor elf was standing there and nathan went it's the wrong camden head you <laughs> need like, of course nathan didn't book an elf without me. <laughs> so um but yes so now i've caused confusion among the listeners Rat pack on a Friday, um at uh, Camden Head, Camden, Camden Comedy yeah. Club, and then uh Rat Pack Unwrapped on the second Sunday of the month. Yes. Brilliant shows always.
0: They are. I've done the Camden ones. I'm gonna be coming doing uh doing the one uh in, you in Dorf, July. Yeah. Mm, uh, yes, I think so. I, I I did
1: check recently, but yes, hmm. you're you you're, you're coming coming up soon but it's um it's turning into a lovelier and that the audience is growing and it is it's i mean everyone really appreciates the the good comedy um who who did we richard todd last week i mean literally he had people were rolling about Redu isaac um yeah. trevor lock nathan cassidy um adam morrison jones is usually our MC. i mean everyone just loves them so
0: it's yeah very well. I'm so excited to come <laughs> <laughs> and I always forget to plug my things as well so I will let I'm doing I'm doing Camden Comedy Club I'm doing my show with the Camden Fringe uh, it's called Scream Inside Your Heart and it's um, on the 5th and the 6th of August 5th and 6th um, oh i will. very excited about I will come and see that I mean, if you if if you want to preview and Dover beforehand, let me know. Yeah. Amazing. Oh well. And then I'll plug it on this podcast. <laughs> I do it I'm doing a show in June. Although actually no, this one will come out by then. Uh, it'll have been a roaring <laughs> success uh, by the time this comes out. And uh, oh and then I'm doing one in I'm doing also in Oxford Fringe. So please come Yeah. Cause it's gonna be amazing. Um Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a guest. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Thanks very much.